0: Hey, go ahead and grab a seat as we get started. My name is Caleb. If I haven't met you before, I would love to say hi if you're new before you, uh, before you take off. We are starting a brand new series uh, this morning called Work and, it I mean, it's not necessarily called work, 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 but that's how we usually think of it, uh, whether you know the Rihanna song or you just, uh, just in your mind, it's just work, work, work. And there's a laptop, but it's because it's hard to, I mean, most of us use a laptop in our work, but not all of you. Some of you, uh, you know, are stay-at-home moms, and that's your work. Some of you, you work on cars or you work on the roads or, you know, don't, you, you don't use technology like this. Uh, that's okay. It just represents our work, our our work lives. And so we're we're talking about work this morning. And as as we get into that, I'm just going to kind of show you some stats on work. Uh, Work is what we spend most of our lives doing. This is kind of a little graph that talks about if we were to live 78 years of our life, 28 years are sleeping. So for some of you, you're like, that's it. I sleep a lot more than that. Um, and then besides sleeping, 11.3 years of our life are used at work, which is more than anything else. So anything, more than anything else in your life besides sleeping, you will spend working and then six years in the bathroom also. Um, oh wait, no, wait, this, sorry, this is two years in the bathroom. Some of you, it's probably six years, but two, you know, you know who you are, but, (laughs) um, But more than anything else in our life, just that fact is kind of crazy, right? More than anything else in our life, besides sleep, we are going to spend working and 62% of people say that their job is the main source of stress in their life. And and actually this was kind of an infographic that had the US and then other countries in Europe and the US is the highest on all of these stats as far as stress as it relates to work goes. But think about that. 62% of people and probably most of you in here would say this as well. If you think about the stressful things in your life, if you think about kind of when your emotions are running on high, when you're feeling like, man, this is whether it's high of like, man, I've got so much to do or it's low of just, man, my life is really hard. Work isn't just something we spend a lot of time doing. It's also something we spend a lot of energy and a lot of emotion in. Um, and then uh, 43% of workers say they're detached or disengaged from their current job. Only 35% of of us believe that we are highly engaged in our work. So we spend a lot of time in it, we spend a lot of emotion in it, and really only half of us, only less than half of us, only a third of us say, yeah, I'm engaged, I I enjoy this job, I'm all in on this job. I think this is interesting. Five months is the average time an employee spends transitioning from an engaged worker to actively looking for a new job. And so we're kind of always in this feeling of needing something else. Uh, Top five reasons candidates will leave a job difficult boss relationships, stressful organizational culture, lack of stability, lack of advancement opportunities, compensation. I mean, there's all of these different things where basically this is all saying, man, work is just rough, right? We, we do it all the time. We're, we're stressed out about it. And even when we're in the middle of it, we're thinking about other jobs. We're not really that engaged in the middle of our job. It's something we spend so much time doing, so much energy in, and yet it's, it's, it's not even that engaging to us. And this is what is the employee motivation? Why is employee motivation important? If you're not engaged, what's kind of the effects of that? Unengaged employees cost you money. So if you actually uh, manage other employees, they're costing you money. You can go to them tomorrow and say, you are disengaged and you need to engage. Um, you're costing me $350 billion a year, or at least the U.S. Maybe not. You. <laughs> um, maybe you have that much to, to lose a year. Um, And then engaged employees differentiate you from competitors. Companies in the top 10% of employee engagement surpass their competition by 72% in earnings per share. That's to say, man, so many of us are disengaged in our actual work. That's actually costing your boss money, it's costing the company money, it's costing, it's uh, it's different, it differentiates you from the competitors that are out there. And employees that are engaged get the job done right. Engaged employees are 50% more productive than unengaged employees. So this is just saying, look, if we were engaged in our jobs, what would happen? Not only would there be a profit, it would also be that we would enjoy it more. It would also be that we were more productive. And then finally, and some of you have probably seen this, Uh, There's a guy named Daniel Pink that kind of has done a lot of research on this, but if employees don't want money, see, you go, man, people are disengaged from their job, they're stressed out in their job, and maybe what they need is just more money, but that's really not the answer. Daniel Pink has done a lot of research saying what people really want is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And really, this final idea is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about purpose and what that does if we experience a greater purpose. But as we, as we kind of set this series up, because we'll be talking about this over the next handful of weeks, I just want you to think about this. Work is such a huge part of our lives. It's more than anything besides sleeping, a huge part of our lives. And even if you want to start to begin thinking about this from kind of a faith perspective or what life with God looks like perspective, it's interesting that most of the things most of the things that it means to be a Christian or most of the things that are kind of included under the umbrella of life with God or faith, most of the things under that don't happen here on a Sunday. Most of those things don't happen on the weekends. If you think about what does the Bible say about faith or life with God, whether it's prayer or loving your neighbor or dealing with difficulty and dealing with suffering or obeying God or not sinning against people in different ways, most of that is going to happen at work. Because that's most of your life. If we don't understand, if we don't understand how God fits into our work, then we really don't understand how God fits into our life. I mean, what this means is that one of the biggest needs that us as Christians have, if you're a Christian, one of the biggest needs that we have is to figure out how does my, how does my faith or how does my life with God or how does my relationship with Jesus or, or how does just kind of this whole Christian thing, how does that fit into work? That's one of the biggest needs that we have if you're a Christian because this is the biggest part of our life. If we don't know how work fits into life with God, we really don't know how life with God works. And no pun intended on that. We, we really don't know how life with God works if we, don't know how God, if we don't know how God fits into it. And just from a life perspective, even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, if you, don't know how to, if you don't know how to handle work, you really don't know how to handle life. Because work is the biggest part of our lives. So in this series, that is what we will begin talking about. But today... We're just going to talk about, really, what is work for? What's it even for? This giant piece of our lives that consumes so much thought and so much energy and so much time and so much stress. and, and all, What's it even for? What, what's the purpose of work? Daniel Pink says, if we, if we understand purpose, then we begin to be more engaged, we begin to enjoy it more. What, what's, the purpose of our, what's the purpose of our work? And even from a Christian perspective, standpoint what's the purpose of work why is it such a big part of our lives what's the purpose is it just to make money is it here's the purpose of your work it's it's just make sure that you tell everybody about Jesus it's just an avenue that you've got to to basically proselytize or something is is that what the purpose of work is what's the purpose of it what is the purpose of work this is this is what we're going to begin looking at today as we kick off the series Because if we can get on the right foot here, then all the other pieces can begin to fall into place. But if we miss this, I mean, think about this. If you miss, what is work actually for? If you miss that, then you're, you're missing the entire foundation. You're spending your whole life doing this. If you miss, what is your work, what's your job actually for? Then, then you actually, you're starting on the wrong foundation. And we start to build the wrong pieces and, and build our work, the most significant part of our lives, and in the wrong direction. So, what's it for? What is work for? And here's where we will begin. We'll go all the way back to Genesis when God created the world and tells us what our work is for. Here's what happens in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, and then verse 15. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. So God's, create, God's in the middle of creating the world and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. So first of all, we see that God works. The Bible presents God as somebody that is working, that is working in this world. God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You can see even just how it's repeating, work, 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 showing that God is working, that God is active, and that he has a purpose for the work. And then it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. God is the one that invented the I want you to work it. So that's the first thing that we learn right there. But here's um, here here is what this says. Just as we start, God created work. I mean, don't we often think that work is a necessary evil? It's kind of just this thing that we need to fund our hobbies or to get by in life or to be able to provide for our families. or It's just kind of a necessary evil that's there. And, it's, and I, man, I think this is even true. Man, if you're a part of this church and you're a Christian, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, it's like this is the holy stuff, right? This is the holy stuff. The church is the holy stuff. This is where God is doing stuff. This is where God is at work. And, yeah, I've got kind of this, man, 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours, the rest of my life that I kind of just need to get by. But really, this is where God is active. But what you see is, in the very beginning, God made work. It's God's idea. Look, before anything went wrong with the world, in paradise, in paradise, it was God's idea to say, you have a job. In paradise, before anything was broken, before there was any sin, before when life with God was perfect. When life with humanity was perfect, God said, I've got a job for you. I'm putting you here to work. Now, we don't often think like that, but this is what the Bible says. In the very beginning, God created work that it's not a necessary evil. In fact, it's, an actual, it's actually a human need to work. It's actually a deep, it's, it's a part. I mean, what we can see in the fact that God created work, and before anything went wrong, he gave us work, is it's a deep fundamental human need to be able to work to be able to say I'm engaged in something so first we see that God created work but what what is what's it for and we'll look at three things that God gives us work for Here, here's the first part all these are in Genesis Genesis 1:28 says God blessed them And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, this part, fill the earth and subdue it. That's not just talking about have a bunch of kids. That's part of it. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Otherwise, the whole project would have ended if there was no kids from that point forward. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. What does that mean to say, okay, I'm putting you in here to work, and part of what I want you to do, part of the reason that I'm giving you work, part of what your work is for is to subdue this world that I've given to you. Now, that doesn't mean to ransack it, to use it and just abuse it, but it means this, to to subdue is really talking about civilization. To subdue is talking about we have this world filled with kind of raw materials and potential. And God says, I want you to take out what's there and to use it to subdue it so that the different parts and the different components are used to actually create something better than the sum of its parts. To rearrange the raw material that's there so that the world experiences flourishing. See, God loves his world. God made it. In the very beginning, God makes the world. He loves the world. He wants the world to be cared for. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to enter into the world. And you have a job, subdue it. Take the raw material and use it to create something that flourishes. L- let me explain a little bit more. This is what one of the big purposes of work. Think about a farmer. What does a farmer do? And this, is, this would have been part of for Adam and Eve in the very beginning of what was for them to subdue would be t- you take raw materials. You take raw principles, even of we need light and you need water and you need seed. But it doesn't, a garden doesn't just pop up. Those raw materials have to be put together and used in a certain way so that there's flourishing. And that's true with farming, which would have been part of what they experienced, but it's true with any type of work. Part of what work is for is to take the raw stuff, the potential that's there, and to combine it in such a way that it leads to flourishing, to something better. That God wants to create civilization, He wants to create flourishing, He wants to bless His world, and He puts us in there to do it. Let me give you some other examples. If you take this, which is fabric, and I know that's not really a raw material. There's other things that go into it before this, but I wasn't going to show you pictures of a bunch of, I don't even know what goes into fabric. But you, you take that, and if somebody says, okay, part of my job is to subdue this, to take the raw materials that are there, and to arrange that in such a way that it leads to flourishing or human civilization, then you get something like this. And I don't, you, you know, you might think this is crazy, which I do, but... But I also really want that blue one because it's re- I, <laughs> it's pretty cool. But, um, but that's what happens. You take raw materials, you put them together, and now you have fashion. You have clothing. Or you take raw materials of paint and chemicals that produce this and bottles of plastic and brushes and whatever those are made of. You take the raw materials of that and you subdue it. And you get this. You get a painting, something beautiful. This is the, actually in Denver, the Clifford Stills Museum. Or you take the raw material of this. For some of you, you're like, crap, it's, it's Sunday. I don't want to be looking at this, right? I, know some, they, I don't even know what this is or does. I'm, I'm, maybe the screen's going to crash. You know, maybe I just did something. But then you take the raw materials of numbers and parentheses and, and hyphens and all sorts of other weird-looking things. You take the raw materials of that and subdue it. And it creates something that, besides work, we spend the most of our life doing. <laughs> and... And it creates it creates the actual web it creates the websites and the things that we are and the graphics and the, I mean it takes it takes all of the raw materials and actually produces something like this that we have the ability to, this is civilization this is it this is civilization right there basically <clears throat> or you take the raw materials of chemicals you take the raw materials of different ingredients from the rocks and I mean I don't I don't look you can tell I don't know anything about this but you take the raw materials of the, where we get the different chemicals in our world but that is then subdued right. And it produces something else we need for work. It produces Tylenol. It produces medicine. So some of your jobs, if you're, if you're in industries that use chemicals and putting things together, that is subdued to create flourishing. So God creates a world filled with various raw materials. This is another example. that uh, I don't have an after picture, but... This, you take the raw materials of even ideas and numbers and verbs, and I don't know what he's teaching here, but mathematics or phrases or, you know, different, you take the raw materials of knowledge and just what's happened to the world in history, you take the raw materials of that to do what? To form minds, to form minds and such that they're people that then can go on to produce other flourishing. This is what work is. This is part of what the Bible says that work is. God creates a world and notice God doesn't just take a work, he puts them in the middle of it and there's not paintings There's not houses. There's not medicine. He puts them in the middle of it and says, I I want my world to flourish. I want human civilization to flourish, to be beautiful, to prosper. But he says, here is part of what your work is for, to subdue it, to make that happen, to take the various raw materials that God has put in the world and then use that to make it flourish. And here's what that means. God has given each of us different gifts. God has given each of us different talents and gifts, not just for the church. God has given us different gifts and talents in order that we can do our jobs just like in Genesis so that the world experiences flourishing, so that the world experiences prospering, so that it's subdued and what is there is brought out. Second purpose that we see for our work in Genesis is this. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. If you have been around church for a while or Christianity, you've heard of the idea that humans are made in the image of God. And that that means theologians and people that kind of talk about the Bible, talk about what does that term mean a lot. But part of what it means is directly connected to our work. It says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It says, God makes us in his image image and part of what that means is that we are to have dominion or to rule and he, here's what this is getting at thousands of years ago when this was written and, and in this time ancient rulers would put statues of themselves their image they would put statues of themselves their image in the places that they had dominion over in the places that they ruled over in the places that they had authority over they would say here's my statue representing this is who I am this is, this is what I'm like, and I rule over this area. Here's my image to show, to represent my authority, to represent my presence, to represent what I'm like. So here, here's my image. And what the Bible says is that we are made in the image of God, that God wants to fill the world with a bunch of his images representing him. Showing his authority, showing his presence, showing what it would be like if he was there. That part of what it means that we are the image of God is that we reflect and represent in him. And part of that is in our work, our dominion, our authority. This is what the Bible says. Now, here's what, here's what this means. There's, there's all sorts of different ways that, that God is like. This is just, I don't know if you'll even be able to read this, but this is just a chart. This is just a chart showing the different attributes or characteristics of God. And there's all sorts of them, and this isn't even completely comprehensive. But what this means, if you think about that, God says, you are my image. You're made to reflect me. You're made to represent me. You're made to show what I'm like in your work, in the places that you exercise your dominion, your authority. So just, let's just take a couple of these examples if if you take something like god is beautiful it's one of his his attributes that the bible says i mean this is all just kind of things that the bible says this is what god is like you take that god is beautiful and what does that mean it means that part of our jobs and, and some of us kind of have jobs that fit this more than others is to, to represent and to reflect god is beautiful so art isn't just kind of a thing that people do it's supposed to show you know what we actually have a beautiful god that creates things and part of the job of some humans is to reflect and represent God is beautiful. And that's not just people that paint paintings. I mean, you think about chefs that make their food beautiful and, and people that make homes beautiful. We have in our church people that are interior designers that make the home beautiful and, and make businesses beautiful. And part of that is, to, is, to, is because God says, you know what part of your job is for? It's to represent what I am like. I am a God that's beautiful. And you are my image, meaning you are to exercise authority and represent, reflect, here's what I am. Or justice. We know that God is a God of justice. We have people in our church that are lawyers. And and we have people that are a part of other different um, jobs that would be fighting for and pursuing justice in the world. God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice, which means part of a job is to be able to reflect and represent. If God is a God of justice, if I do my job well, I'm showing what he's like in my work for justice. And, and I could keep going in all sorts of other things, whether that's order. God's a God of order and organization. God is, a God, of, God is a God that cares for the sick. God is a God that's compassionate. I mean, there's so many things that part of the purpose of our work is to say, I'm reflecting and representing what God is like. In this world. And then finally, the third purpose. We we looked at this verse already, but just to come back to it. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. Now you know what this is saying? It's saying that God cares for his world. God deeply cares for the world. That idea of keeping it. It's to say God puts them in the middle of it. He doesn't just say, hey, have fun. He says, I'm putting you here and I have a job for you. I want you to work it, subdue it, reflect, represent, and keep it, to tend to it, to take care of it, that God deeply loves and cares for the world he made, but the way that God does that, the means that he cares for and keeps the world is through us. In some ways, you can think of that as that we are God's babysitters or we are God's stewards, that God cares for something, but the way that he actively is caring for it is through us saying, I have a job that I want you to do because I care for my world, I care for the people I've put in my world, and I want you to keep it, to to be my hands and feet, to care for the people and the world here that I have made. I I love how Martin Luther, who was the great Protestant reformer in the 1500s, he talks about this. He talks about that any good work that we do, any good work that we do is God's work. Any good work that we do to work and keep God's world and that leads to human flourishing, any good work that we do is God's work. So he uses this example. He says, look, there's a famous prayer that Christians pray. When the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? How should we pray? Jesus said, here's how you pray. You say, and some of you know this, you say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And what that part of the prayer means, literally, is you're asking God for bread, which is to provide for that day's needs. Now, we can take that even symbolically and metaphorically, which Jesus was using it that way also to just say, God, provide for our needs that we have each day. But Martin Luther says, how does God answer that prayer? If you're praying for daily bread, how do you actually get this? How do you get this? If you're praying for daily bread, if you're asking God, God, give us this day our daily bread, how do you get that? How does God actually answer and care for his people? And he says, think about all the things it takes to get this. First, you need farmers. So a farmer is God's answer to prayer for someone saying, give us this day our daily bread. You don't just need farmers, you need bakers. And I know that's a huge jump from wheat to to there, but you need people that are actually making and, and baking the bread. And you don't just need that, and Martin Luther wouldn't have been talking about this, or Jesus, but, but you need truck drivers. You need truck drivers that are taking that bread to its source. I mean, somebody praying, give us this day our daily bread, doesn't open their eyes and a loaf of bread hits them in the face, right? The way, that, I mean, you can try that with your friend. If they're like, I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer, and then you can throw it at them. Like, the Lord provides. That would be a funny Christian joke. Um <clears throat> But the way that God actually answers that prayer, the way God provides for the very things that we pray for is through the people that are farming, through the people that are baking, through the people that are driving. And then Martin Luther even takes it further and says, but it's not even just those direct things. Think about we need people that are making the roads that that truck drives on to give us our bread. We need countries that are safe so that the bread truck doesn't get robbed or the farmer doesn't get shot in the middle of you know farming stuff. We need people, we need whole governments and organizations and civilizations that are backing all of the stuff that it takes to pray. Give us our daily bread. Martin Luther's whole point with that is to say, look, one of the purposes of our work is to care for the world because God cares for the world. And the way that God answers his prayer think about whatever prayers, so many different prayers that you may have prayed, even this week. If you prayed, I pray for safe travels you're asking a pilot to be the answer to that. You're asking traffic, people that design, I mean, even if you have a monotonous job that you design the light bulb thing that goes into a traffic light, that is part of God's, is part of of answering, God answering the prayer for safe travels. I mean, you know this when things go wrong, right? I mean, there was a a recently, a Southwest person that got like sucked out the window. I don't know if you guys saw that, horrible, tragic. And a lot of that, where, where did that, come from. Like there's certain screws probably that weren't done right and certain engineers that were supposed to check things that like even the most kind of tedious or monotonous things that you might think of can become the answers to our prayers. Martin Luther says here here's one of the key purposes of our work. It's to actually care for God's world, to work it, to keep it. God doesn't just throw bread at us. God doesn't, when you pray for safe travels, just pick you up from one place and drop you to another. He uses people to accomplish his means. He uses us to do that. So, so here's what that means. Oftentimes our work is hard. Oftentimes our work is stressful. And part of that is because we oftentimes don't have an overarching purpose to our work. What if we did live with this kind of purpose? What if we knew I was actually given a job description from God and my work actually really matters? It's part of subduing and creating civilization that leads to flourishing. It's part of representing and reflecting what God is like. It's part of actually being the answer to the prayers that people pray, actually caring for God's world the way he cares for it. What if that is my purpose for work? What what would we begin to change? What would begin to happen both objectively around us but even just internally How does this change our work? This is what the purpose of our work is, but how does this purpose actually change our work? What what, what would that lead to? And I think it leads to all sorts of things that you should begin to think about and work out the implications of. But Paul kind of picks up this same theme, that our work is for God, that our work is not just the direct employer we have, but there's a purpose that God has for it. Paul picks this up in the New Testament, as he's writing to the church in the city of Colossae, he picks this up. And he and he says this. He says whatever you do, whatever job you have, or if you're a student, if you're if if that's your kind of primary job right now, or you're a stay-at-home mom and that's your job right now, or you wh- whatever you do, whatever your work is, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord. Saying, remember this: it's it's Him that gave you the job all the way back in the beginning, and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. God's the one that's actually even responsible for your your bonuses and the rewards you get, you are serving the Lord Christ. Now here's what that means. Here's how we begin to take this idea and say, how does this change how we actually work? First, it means this. It means God actually cares about your job. It means God cares. I don't know what everybody in here does, but if we even just believed what he just said there, if we even believed what, what happened in Genesis, it means God cares about your job. That you are, whatever name comes on your paycheck, whether you're self-employed or there's a business's name on that, whatever name comes on your paycheck or whatever institution, if you're a college student or high school student, that has authority or responsibility, actually, it's from God. Actually, God is the one. Jesus is the one, Paul says. It means your job is very important to him. It's very important to him. It's part of his plan for this world. From the very beginning, your work has been a part of God's plan for this world, which means this, even if it's very menial, even if you go, man, my job is just really monotonous. I'm just answering phones. I'm just kind of... I'm just kind of tweaking numbers. I'm just kind of picking at things. I mean, whatever you do, if it feel, if you're, if you're, look, I mean, if I know a lot of you are millennials, not everybody in here is, but millennials have this thing of just like my work has to be the most fulfilling, satisfying thing in the world. I love it. And, you know, rice farmers all over the world never think about that. But whatever your job is, if it's super menial, super monotonous, you know what it means? It matters to God. It's very important to him. It gives your work a new kind of dignity. It gives whatever you're doing a new kind of dignity. Because it's saying, man, this is a part of God's actual plan for the world. That your work matters to him. Paul, Paul didn't say, man, whatever you do, as long as it's a really good job that has a lot of purpose and meaning and you're making a huge difference. In, he, it says, whatever you do, whatever you do, it's actually for Jesus. Whatever you do, it's actually a part of God's plan to care for people, to lead to flourishing in this world, to represent, to reflect him. Now, that should change. If you're somebody that has a, a job that you're like, man, it's just kind of plugging away, that should change how you view your work. It should also change how we view other people that are doing things that we feel are kind of lower class. There's a new dignity as we think about what they are doing. For the, as, the, as the road crew is working on the road, maybe you're someone that's got a master's degree or a PhD or, or, or just a bachelor's or whatever, and you're like, oh, too bad, they couldn't get a better job. Says so actually that's part of the answer to God's prayer to provide bread. That's part of God's answer to keep us safe. What they're doing is actually subduing and creating civilization. It gives new dignity to our work when we say, "Here's how it changes it." It means He cares about your work. It means your job is very important to Him. It means it's a part of His purpose. It means it's part of His plan in this world. You know, it means that it, our job should be for Him. He's the one that gave the task. In the very beginning, think about this again. In Genesis, God is the one that says, I'm going to ask human beings to work. That means whatever job you have is in a linear legacy from thousands of years ago, that God is the one that actually gives you your job description. What would change in your work if you really believed, I am working for him. He has a purpose for this. He gave this to me. He assigned this to me. Man, it changes all sorts of things. It means we look to him to define how the work should be done. It means we look to him to define how we do it. It also means we don't need as much recognition from people around us for our job, whether that's bosses or coworkers or friends, because we're not working for them. Like If I really believe I'm working for him then I don't need as much recognition and people to look at it and make sure they're telling me good job and make sure, hey, did you see what I did? Or they never recognize that all the work I'm putting in. It means, man, I'm working for him. I'm working for him. It gives a deeper sense of purpose. You don't need recognition. You don't, I mean, you don't, you, it gives a new sense of value and dignity. And it also means this. First, it means he cares about our work. And second, it means that our work is primarily about serving people our work is primarily about serving people, which is not often how we think about our work. We often think about our work as it's for money, or we think about our work as it's for money to provide for something, whether that's family or a fund that I like to do, or, or, or we might think that our work is about us, kind of our success and our significance or our purpose or our feelings. Of, but if we understand then that God has a purpose for our work and the purpose is to represent him, reflect him, lead to flourishing because he wants his world uh, to flourish and for people in the world to flourish and to care for people, then that means at its core, at its core, our job should be about joining God and caring and serving for people. That's what our work is actually about. It's designed by God to love and bless the world, to love and bless the world. So think about that. If you just took that idea, if you just took the idea, my job is about loving and serving people with God, for God. My job is about loving and serving people. Because that's why God created work in the first place. If you really just took that idea into your job, even tomorrow, what, what would happen? What would happen if you really took the idea, my job is to love and serve people? Before I was a pastor, I worked here, Red Robin. I ate a lot of fries, and they were good. And I still like Red Robin. Uh, my biggest tip, I love taking people to Red Robin. My biggest tip is order your burger on a croissant instead of a bun. It'll change your life. There's all sorts of things you can do at Red Robin. Um, so, anyways, I worked there for five years. In the first two years of my job there, I hated it. I hated it. If any of you have worked in customer service or you've worked as a server at a restaurant or something, you, you, I don't even need to explain why. I just, I just hated it. It was awful. And I, and I didn't just hate the job, I hated the people. I hated them because they're always shaking their ice at me, and they're always, I mean, all sort. I mean, I, I'm not even going to go into all the different stories, but I hated it. I hated the job. And then I had a friend that, that said to me, as I was just kind of complaining to him and just telling him, oh my gosh, because he, he, he had been a server at Red Robin also, and I was just like, man, I hate it, and they do this, and people do this, and this, and this, and this. And he was like, I think, man, you're actually the problem. And I slapped him, and I walked out. No, I just said, <laughs> I said, uh, I, I was like, I, I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what, how I responded in the moment, but, but he just went on to explain, man, you know, your job title is you're a server. I'm like, what if you just took that seriously? And I didn't even have all this kind of background to think about, man, God created work and all that stuff. But I, but I did begin to pray about that. And I was convicted by that and began to think about, man, what would change if I actually just went into my job, that the title is server, and just went into my job and said, I'm here to love and serve people because God loves and serves them. I'm here to love and serve them because God wants people to be loved and served. What if I really just said, that's my job? And so if they're asking me to do things, why am I frustrated? And when, you know, if you've ever worked in an industry, industry I don't think you can call this an industry, if you've ever worked in a thing like this before, um, part of it is side work, which is you've got your main work, and then you've got your side work. You've got to roll silverware, which is a big part that everybody hates. And everybody's like, yeah, I rolled 50 of them, and they rolled two of them. Um, and then everyone hates them, right? So, I mean, some of you know what I'm saying. And I was like, man, if, if my job is actually to serve, though, don't I want to roll silverware? My job is actually, I'm here to love and serve people. Don't I, don't I want there to be silverware prepared for them? Don't I want to think hard about how I can actually love these people? And all I'm saying, this is just you know, an example from my life. You, you've got to work this out in your life. But, but what would change if we actually said, the purpose of my work is to love and serve people? If, if I show up on Monday and whatever my job is, I'm actually thinking about, man—I'm I'm here. It, you know, part of what it would mean is we would do our job excellently. Which is what Paul says. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Because it's actually for Jesus. And it's actually part of how Jesus is caring for people. And it's actually part of how Jesus is making the world flourish and people be blessed. And it's actually part of how you're representing and saying, this is what God is like. like what if you just went into your job and really took this seriously and said, I am here to love and serve people. I'm here to show people. this is what You know that God is a servant? You know that God is beautiful. You know that God cares for the sick. You know that God brings order out of chaos. What if we just said, I'm here to represent and reflect what God is like and that God cares for people and that God is serving people. What would change? If we had this purpose, these are some of the things that would begin to take place in our life. See, what is work for? It has a deep purpose. It has a deep purpose that that God has. To bring God or faith or Christianity or however you want to say it, to bring that into your work, to, to bring it into the most important part of your life is more than just don't lie at work or don't cheat at work or don't sleep with all your coworkers or um, you know, share the gospel to people. It's way more than that. To bring, to bring your faith, to bring your relationship with God into your work, the biggest part, the most important part, the most encompassing part of your life, to bring God into that, It's so much more than just make sure you're a moral person. What does it look like for you to begin to think through this? To see your work as from God? To see your work as for God? To see your work as with God? What would change? Work is the most important part of our life in the sense of, not that it's the most important thing, but in the sense that it's the thing that takes up the most time in our life. The thing we're most invested in. The thing that we're going to be in our life most engaged in. What would happen if tomorrow you had a deeper sense of purpose? What would happen if tomorrow you, you began to actually view my work is for Jesus? And here, Here's the final thing. Is how, what, what, what can help us use our work in this way? Because what, what, what the Bible says is, look, God has a purpose for your work. God has a purpose for your work. It's to love and serve people and create flourishing and to reflect Him. That's what it's for. And and what it begins to change is what Paul says work with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. But that's kind of hard. Like it might be easier to show up tomorrow and kind of be disengaged. It might be easier tomorrow to just go, man, work is for my cash that's to fund my toys. What would change? What would change if we actually worked with all of our heart? But, yeah, there's all sorts of things that would change, but how do we actually do that? How can we have a heart that says, I want to work with all my heart as if I'm working for the Lord? Now, here's what we see. Here's what we see. God's work in this world to cultivate, to reflect, to care for it. He's working to do that. He uses us to be a part of that. He uses us to be a part of that, which, which actually shows how much he loves us. I want you to think about that. Think about that God would set this thing in motion with work, that all of our jobs, if they're good jobs, all of our jobs actually represent. If we're doing good work, it actually represents how much God cares for people. That he would say, you know what, I'm going to create this army of people that lead to building up a flourishing place, that lead to caring for people. You see how much God cares You see how much God loves. You see how much God says, man, I love these people. But but we see even more than that. We see even more than that because it's not just that God commissions humans to do his work in the world. But God actually became a human to do his work in the world. And and I want to just read to you some things that Jesus said See, God commissions us to do his work. He commissions humans to do his work. But God actually became a human to do the same work of caring for and reflecting who he is and and bringing out of chaos, bringing flourishing. So here's some things that Jesus says. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. See, God has work. He's been doing it from the very beginning. My food, what gets me up in the morning. What, what drives me, what, 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 what I'm inspired by, what I'm filled with is to do God's work, the work that we've been talking about. Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I'm working. Look, from the very beginning of time, he says, God has been working. From the very beginning of time, God's been working to show who he is. God's been working to reflect himself and represent himself and, and bring order out of chaos and flourishing From the very beginning of time, God has been working to care for the people in this world that he's created. And he says, my father's working, and until now, I'm working. I'm a part of that. And then he says this, for the works that the father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the father has sent me. He says, look at my work. Look at what I'm doing. And you can see that this is a testimony that I'm from God, because I'm doing the kind of work that God commissioned people to do from the very beginning. Which was to represent him, to reflect him, to bring order and flourishing out of chaos, to actually care for the world. And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. He tells people, you know, part of what God is doing in all of his work to represent and reflect himself, to care. He wants you to know me and believe in me because I'm the ultimate of all those things that God is doing. And as Jesus is about ready to go to the cross, he says this, I glorified you. He's praying. He says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. He says, the work that you gave me to do that I've been doing all along, I accomplished it. And what was that work? It's the same work that he has given to us in some ways. See, what what can move us to work with all of our heart, as Paul says, Paul says, work with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. You know what can move us to want to work with all of our heart? It's to see that Jesus himself worked with all of his heart for us. That Jesus himself worked with all of his heart to show us what God was like. To represent as the true image of God. Here's what God is like. A God of compassion, a God of mercy, a God of grace. That Jesus is the one that actually worked to bring about flourishing out of chaos. Undoing the curse of sin, undoing suffering and death. What can make you want to work with all your heart in the work God's given you is see the work, how he worked with all of his heart to save us, to show us and represent what he is like, to, to do the care, to care for humanity, to care for us. When you see God like that, when you see Jesus like that, you want to work with him. You want to work for him. When you see, man, I have a God like that. I have a God that it doesn't just command me to work with all my heart, but for me, worked with all his heart for me, to do the very things in a, in a grander, cosmic, spiritual sense that he's calling me to do in this world. When we see that, we we then want to work. We want to work for him. We say, this is a good boss. This is a good king. This is a good lord. This is a good father. I want to be a part of what he's doing. When we take communion, we remember this, that this was Jesus' work. God creates this world, and he says, here's the purpose for your work. Bring about flourishing. And, And on the cross, we see that Jesus brought about flourishing, undoing, suffering, and death. That God's purpose for work is to represent and reflect himself. And on the cross, Jesus' body broken, his blood shed. He shows us what God is like. Mercy and justice and grace. And that God wants to care for his world in the work that he gives to us. And on the cross, we see his deep care for us. His deep care, not even just to meet our practical needs, but to meet our deepest spiritual needs. So when we take communion today, I want you to just remember this and reflect on this and see how good of a God we have that would work with all his heart to draw us into his family, and then gives us a calling to do the same. Pray with me. Father, I pray that even now as we take communion, that you would allow these truths to go into our heart. God, our, our, work is just the biggest part of our lives. It takes up our emotions and our hearts and our energy and our time. And, and I know some people in here hate their jobs. And I know some people in here, job, their work is just kind of a thing. It's might not hate it, but they're just apathetic about it, but God, I don't, I pray that you would change our perspective, that you would give us your perspective. I don't know, Lord, all the different changes that would begin to happen if we actually believe this and took this seriously, but I pray you would begin to move us in this direction as a people. I thank you for working with all of your heart for us, to save us, to care for us, to change us. So I pray now as we sing these few songs and we take communion, Let us know you. Let us see your heart. Amen.